One of the most exciting developments in biotechnology is the emerging field of regenerative medicine. It combines principles of biology and engineering to develop therapies for diseases characterized by cell depletion, lost tissue, or damaged organs. For scientists, regenerative medicine is a way to fix the root causes of disease, not just treat symptoms, by harnessing the body's natural capacity to repair itself, to regenerate lost cells and tissue, and restore normal function. As you might suspect, a large portion of regenerative medicine, R&D, is led by medical researchers. But our guests today are two engineers advancing a technology called tissue nanotransfection that has the potential to drastically improve outcomes for patients battling chronic diseases and debilitating injuries. Natalia Hikitu Castro and Daniel Diego Perez, welcome to Ingenuity. Thank you for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. So before we dive into the details of your extraordinary research, I'd like to really hear a little bit about who you are and how you each got interested in biomedical engineering. So you both completed your PhDs in biomedical engineering here at The Ohio State University. What was it that drew you into this field and to this, of course, amazing place? Um, so we have been at Ohio State for um, 17 years now. So you can say we are Bokais by heart. Um, Columbus and Ohio State are home away from home, so we're originally from Colombia. Um, and what drew me in, in this field of biomedical engineering was that um, I like both, actually. I like medicine, but I also enjoy engineering. Um, so I was actually accepted to med school, and I also applied for biomedical engineering back in my country. And then when the moment got there, I, I just realized that I needed to, something else. I just needed to be able to apply or just I could be the bridge between that biology and engineering because I always saw, um, enjoy solving issues and, and trying to improve things around me. Yeah, I, I, it's been a little bit similar of an experience for me. I, um, um, I was interested in both medicine and engineering. My dad is an engineer, so I, I had always that exposure to that side of, of things. Uh, but I, he's a chemical engineer, so he doesn't do a lot of medical applications. But I, I did want to also see what we can do in medicine. Uh, but I didn't see myself as a clinician. So when uh, the opportunity came to pursue a, a, a B biomedical engineering degree in, in my country, I think that that was a natural fit for me uh, because it combined the best of, of both worlds. And, and I, I can see myself having more of an impact. Uh, on that front uh, compared to being a pure engineer or, or, a, or a pure clinician. So that's how we ended up pursuing that path. So I love hearing the story about how biomedical engineering really brings the best of both worlds, the, the medicine field and then engineering and having an impact, which is, which is great. But you're more than just research partners. <laughs> yeah, full disclosure, we are married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we have a almost two-year-old baby boy, Sebastian. Um, so, yeah. yes, we've been working together for 17 years. Gee. Yeah. People don't believe that that's possible, <laughs> but yeah, things, things have worked out so far. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess when we came here, the plan was to just get an education, right, do a PhD, and then we'll see what happens next. But then one thing led to another, and then we ended up transitioning to being postdocs and then ended up being recruited by OSU. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a fun ride, yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about this tissue nanotransfection. 
Um, so breakthrough technology that can repair injured tissue or restore function of aging tissue. That's kind of the definition I've heard. Frankly, it sounds a little like science fiction, you know, but you've had multiple grants from NIH, National Institute for Health, Department of Defense, and others certainly kind of see that this technology is, is really real. So can one of you provide a tissue nanotransfection 101 uh, for me so that uh, our audience can also understand? Yeah, I can give you a little bit of an introduction to it. So the, the concept of nanotransfection basically entails using nanotechnology to genetically manipulate living tissues, right? So there's a lot of work of using nanotechnology to manipulate living cells ex vivo in the lab. What we wanted to do is develop something that can enable that type of capability, but in vivo, so that we don't really have to remove cells from the tissues, but basically come to the tissues and do manipulation, genetic manipulation uh, of those tissues. And, and depending on what type of manipulation you do, the outcome can be different. So for the most part, we have used that to try to repair damaged uh, tissues, right? Many different types of tissues. But we have also found that that can actually go beyond just tissue repair and regeneration and, and also have an impact on, on in the field of cancer. So um, so even though it's for the most part known because of what we have been doing in terms of tissue repair and regeneration, we are already entering into this field of cancer and, and seeing how we can use the same type of approach to instead of promote tissue repair and, and, and growth to actually regress tumor formation. And, and so that, that's the beauty of the technology that, that you can actually cross many different areas of, of, of interest. And Natalia can elaborate more. There's, there's more to the story for sure. The technology is based in this amazing platform that uh, was developed here at Ohio State. Uh, but what we found in that work is that actually the tissues are mediating a deeper transfection. So basically it just we're able to convert cells that are beyond the boundary of the, of the transfection basically, beyond the skin, uh, which is the original point of treatment. And what we found in that study is that the cells that are being uh, transfected or just changed um, genetically uh, with our platform are actually producing vesicles. And those vesicles are percolating through the tissues and they are able to reach other points of injury uh, or with injured tissues to actually have a therapeutic effect. And that's part of the emphasis of uh, our program, especially in my lab, is to engineer those extracellular vesicles that are nanoparticles normally produced by healthy or diseased cells. So this really does sound like science fiction. I mean, I heard nanotechnology, genetic manipulation of living tissues, converting cells beyond the skin. You know, I think I saw this movie. I think Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. Yes, yes, which is so fascinating. You've talked about giving us a basic understanding of, of what this nanotransfection field is. But let's go a little bit deeper. So I've heard that you're both leading studies in even more therapeutic targets, um, and uh, ranging from Alzheimer's and diabetes. But can you tell us more about this kind of aspect of your work and, and really helping people and having this impact? One of the really amazing things that we work on right now is cell reprogramming, so using tissue nanotransfection to convert one cell type into a different cell type. So it's sort of like alchemy, but with cells, right? So what we are trying to do, for example, diabetes being one example, uh, in collaboration with the College of Medicine, uh, we are trying to find ways to uh, teach the skin tissue to behave like brown adipose tissue. And, and if you know about brown adipose tissue, there's like two types of fat white fat, which is not good, and brown fat, which is really good. Actually, the fat that can help you lose weight. 
and but but adult humans don't really have a lot of brown fat right so there's always been a push to try to find ways to increase the amount of brown fat in adult humans to help with many different conditions such as diabetes metabolic disorders obesity and we found that we can use this tissue nanotransfection technology to basically teach the skin to behave like brown adipose tissue right so the skin still looks like the skin but the function that it performs is actually brown adipose tissue and and we have at least seen in in animal studies that that approach actually helps those mice to um, uh, lose weight more effectively and prevent uh, cardiometabolic uh, disease. Uh, so that's just a tiny example of what we can do just by touching the skin one time and teaching that patch of skin to behave like some other type of tissue. And, and we can expand that to many different types of tissue, so, but that's just one example. There is a really close intersection, actually. There is a clear intersection. Um, between the cell therapy and of the sorry and um, the the extracellular vesicles because you need the donor cells to produce the vesicles and the other arm of our program is to actually use these vesicles um, to deliver genes or drugs that can be used for therapeutic applications so we had um, a project that was actually funded through the office of research here at ohio state um, that provided seed funding to engineer the vesicles to have anti-inflammatory effect uh, for COVID um, applications. And in that one, we're basically just um, introducing these vesicles to help uh, decrease that out-of-control inflammation that you have in these patients so that their immune system can actually uh, solve uh, the infection. And then we also have other applications for these um, vesicles that we're engineering that go, for example, for uh, neurofibromatosis type 1, which is um, an area that was recently funded through the Gilbert Family Foundation, um, in which we're using the vesicles to, to deliver a full-length um, copy of the gene. So in NF1, what happens is that um, you develop tumors uh, uh, in the Schwann cells. And basically, these patients are going to have these tumors in their nerve endings and the skin. So what we can do is create a program that combines both tissue nanotransfection to actually um, treat the tumors that are on the skin and then uh, leverage the vesicles to create a systemic treatment for the tumors that are deeper, basically, in the nerve endings. So from treating tumors to inflammation for COVID infections to... Uh, changing function of white cells, white fat cells to brown fat. Um, this is amazing, and, and I need to ask you about that last one. Um, and so, with all of this, you know, it. I know it takes a lot of collaboration, and I know with these applications and the areas you've talked about, there's got to be some convergence of interest across the the entire university. Now, you both hold joint appointments in the College of Engineering and in the College of Medicine. What other researchers at Ohio State are you collaborating with, and how does that multidisciplinary approach impact the work that you do? That's, that's a very important aspect of what we do, and, and both of us are engineers by training, so we, we tend to focus mostly on like the technology development side of things, and, and if you look at our labs, uh, we're not focused on a specific disease. We, we tend to be very disease agnostic because we are able to collaborate with many experts on campus uh, that, that have that expertise on, on the specific disease conditions. So, so, for example, the diabetes story, the obesity story, this is through a collaboration with uh, Dr. Christine Stanford in physiology and cell biology. She has expertise on adipose tissue biology and exercise physiology that I, I don't have, but then I can bring my engineering tools and, and work with her to be able to enable this type of, 
of technologies and, and beyond that, uh, working also uh, with uh, Dr. Christy Townsend in neurosurgery, working with uh, Dr. Amy Moore uh, in, in, in uh, plastic surgery, um, Dr. Samaranch in, in neurosurgery as well. So a lot of these collaborations happen because of, of the nature of what we do, right? We, we tend to focus on the technology and then find partnerships that, that can actually help us move uh, this forward. And, and again, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So you try to basically find things that you can actually expand uh, upon and, and, and make sure that you have an impact. So that's how we have approached research so, so far. So collaborations are really important. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So we always try to have uh, partnerships that will bring us uh, closer to get the technology um, having an impact in patients' lives. Um, from the vesicle perspective, we have really exciting research in back pain, uh, where we also have collaborations within the College of Engineering, like with Davina Permasur. Um, she's also a faculty in biomedical engineering. And in that specific project, we have a um, really productive partnership with Dr. Khan from orthopedics. Um, and it's a perfect combination because he, will pr he always provides this um, physician, basically, just input about how to better translate the therapy into a clinical setting and will be more useful for the patients. Uh, we also have collaborations with Dr. Sigal from our neurology. And for the COVID project, we have collaborations with um, a strong faculty from the pulmonary division. So Dr. Uh, Mora, Dr. Rojas, um, Dr. Engler, and um, kind of in between uh, BME and pulmonary, Dr. Gadielli, <laughs> our chair. So yeah, and, and I think that the list can go on and on. And it's one of the things that I like always to highlight when I talk about Ohio State. It's just truly, honestly, easy to collaborate. So thinking about these partnerships and these collaborations from neurology to orthopedics, they're clinical faculty. They work in the clinical setting. So thinking about your research, so how close is the research, the area of nanotransfection, how close are we to human clinical trials? That's a really good question and something that we really want to be honest because, I mean, there's a lot of hope. And we get emails from patients who are volunteering to be part of clinical trials all the time. And we have to explain to them that this is a slow process. So what, what we can say is that we're working really hard day and night trying to advance this as quickly as possible. We do what we can to have a really well-funded program so that we can advance the basic science quickly. But, but then for translational purposes, you need to find commercial partnerships, right? And that's something that takes a lot longer than we expected. <laughs> so we're working on that, we're making progress. But, but yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to explain to, to some of the patients that reach out to us that this is something that requires a lot of resources. Getting something from the lab to the bedside, clinical trials, all that development phase requires a lot of funding and, and something that NIH, DOD, NSF, is, they wouldn't be able to provide the amount of funding that we need to, to do that. So, we're working in partnership with, with some uh, collaborators who are more on the commercialization side of things, and they are helping us advance our technologies as, as quickly as we can. It, again, it's taking longer than we expected, but, but we understand the complexity of the process just requires this level of, of, of rigor to, to make sure that what we translate is, is safe and effective for the patients. So yeah, we're, we're working on it, hard to give you a, a, a real number as soon as we can, basically. So if any VCs, angels, commercialization partners are listening, oh, yeah. this yeah, is the team. Yeah. In the more way, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. 
Ohio State researchers are pushing the innovation envelope every day. Tissue nanotransfection is yet another example of breakthroughs and solutions being discovered at the intersection of engineering and medicine at Ohio State. Thank you, Natalia and Daniel. If you like what you heard and are interested in learning more or suggesting your own topics for ingenuity, be sure to connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at OSU Engineering. Thanks for listening.